So here's the sweet news. Here's the great news we all need to hear. No matter what mess you find yourself in today, God will be victorious in your life and heart. He fights for you, he provides for you, and he brings you security. Welcome to the Gospel Chapel Podcast. My name is Doug Dunbar. I'm one of the pastors here. If you want to learn more about Gospel Chapel, our midweek ministries, uh, head over to our website at gospelchapelgf.com. And there you'll find things uh, about our church, what we believe. Also, there's a prayer form there. If you want us to pray for you, if there's something that you need prayer for, just let us know, and we'll be glad to do that. In this episode, Pastor Ben speaks to the disorientation many of us are feeling at the start of 2023. Not only are we still processing and coming to terms with, at least subconsciously, the past three years of social, political, and economic upheaval, we're also inundated with more information and media than we can possibly digest. Add to these external cultural realities, our relational and family challenges, loss of loved ones, health struggles, issues at work, and it's no wonder that even as the world opens up, we're feeling more worn down. It's now more than ever that we need to respond to the invitation of Jesus when he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In this message, Pastor Ben invites us to enter the real rest that we can find in Jesus Christ. All right, friends, let's go to Zechariah today. We're going to be in Zechariah chapter 13 and 14. I'll be reading it a little bit later on, but you can make your way there. Well, does anyone uh, feel maybe just a little bit out of place today? You know, I felt like Christmas felt like a little weird this year. Like we had a really good uh, rest as a family, uh, had a little bit of time off, but it was like, oh, it's Christmas. Uh, I feel like usually I'm a little bit more prepared or ready for it. And, and then all of a sudden, New Year's, it was like an afterthought. I'm like, oh, it's 2023, right? Okay, here we are. And, and in general, I'm just wondering if we're all feeling just like, if we don't really belong in 2023. I don't know if that's quite the way to put it. Maybe it's just me. Uh, it's, it's hard to know kind of like what's going on right now, what's going on around us, what's happening or what to do about it. In the movie Back to the Future, Marty McFly goes back from 1985 before most of us were born, right? Uh, 1985, before I was born, and he goes to 1955, goes back to 1955, and there's that scene, right, where he kind of uh, enters the main city square or whatever, and the, the song uh, Mr. Sandman is playing in the background, and he's just totally confused in what's going on. He almost gets hit by a car, and he's like completely lost. And by the way, if the movie came out today, he would be going back to the ancient past of 1993. Whoa. <laughs> Walking around 1993, where's the internet? Where's the smartphones? I don't know. <laughs> but he looks around and it's different, it's foreign, it's really unsettling to him. And I feel a little bit like that as I've started into the new year. I look around at the landscape of 2023 and I start to get a little bit overwhelmed. 
there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening, just even in our personal lives, but just around the world. For example, have any of you heard of this, uh, this chat GPT? Have you heard of this? Some of you heard of this, right? This AI? So it's, it's this online chat bot. Uh, it's an AI, and you can uh, talk with it, and uh, you can ask it, ask it questions, and, and it can explain things. It's just this really crazy thing. And actually, after I finished my sermon, okay, I finished it, I asked it to write a sermon on this passage. Okay, so now I promise you, my sermon is completely human written, okay? <laughs> but I asked it, I said, okay, chat, chat GPT, can you please write a sermon on Zechariah 13, 1 to 4 and 14, 1 to 11? And it was pretty good. It wrote in like 22 seconds, it unpacked this whole thing. I was like, oh man, like this is wild. Uh, I also asked it this, I asked, I asked it what the future of the church will look like. What's it going to look like in the future for the church going forward? This is what it said. It is difficult to predict the future of the Christian church with certainty. However, it is likely that the church will continue to adapt and evolve as it has throughout its long history. Some trends that have emerged in recent years include the growth of Pentecostal and charismatic movements, the increasing importance of technology and social media and communication and outreach, and the challenges posed by secularization and cultural shifts. It is also possible that the church will face new challenges and opportunities in the future that we cannot anticipate at this time, like AI, right? We cannot anticipate the future problems of AI chatbots. Anyway, so it's just, it's just weird. It's just very unsettling to me. Um, however, in the midst of all of this, nothing quite compares to the landscape of even our own hearts. And this is, this is what is most important for us to realize as we enter 2023. This is exactly what Haggai and Zechariah were warning the Israelites about at this time. So as, as Pastor Doug unpacked last week, the Israelites were starting to feel that same way, that the exile was coming to an end and, the, and they were returning to Jerusalem, but it wasn't what they remembered. The landscape was different. And more importantly than the outward pressures and the physical landscape were the conditions of their hearts. And the words brought to Israel from Zechariah over 2,500 years ago ring true for us today. So let's take a look at Zechariah chapter 13. I'm reading verses 1 to 4. On that day, there shall be a fountain opened up, open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets in the spirit of uncleanness. And if anyone again prophesies his father and mother who bore him, will say to him, you shall not live for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. He will be put on a hairy cloak and in order to deceive. So typically, we have the worst point of view of ourselves. Unless you have someone like carrying a mirror around everywhere you go so you can kind of see yourself, you have the least amount of information on your facial expressions, your mannerisms, and your appearance. And in my freshman year of college back in 2007, a friend of mine took a picture of me sitting at my desk in my dorm. And when I saw the picture posted 
on the newly invented Facebook, uh, my heart stopped. Do I really look like that? It was a bit of a wake-up call to take better care of my physical health. And without proper reflection or being told by a good friend, we can have blind spots for our own weaknesses and even sin. Zechariah was the mirror that Israel needed. So as Haggai got the rebuilding of the temple, the physical temple going, Zechariah got the rebuilding of the heart going. Haggai called for the physical temple to be rebuilt, and as that was taking place, Zechariah called for a cleansing, repentance, a return to God, a spiritual renewal was needed. So this leads me to ask us all, what do we need to repent of today? What do we need to look at as individuals and as a community and ask God to come and do some cleansing work? Does a spiritual renewal sound exciting to you? Zechariah calls Israel to repentance and spiritual renewal. His task was to prepare the people for proper worship. Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered, which is the essence of his message to Jerusalem after the exile. Zechariah brings a word for a community that was feeling spiritual apathy, despair, and a sense of hopelessness. And I can't help but wonder if that resonates with us today. The feeling of spiritual apathy, despair, and a sense of hopelessness. So what word could I bring those of you who find yourself in this place? And I think some self-reflection might be good. How are we really doing where are we really at? I needed to see a picture of myself to realize I needed some help. Do you have people in your life that will hold you accountable for the things you say and do? Do you have trusted friends that will help you along the way? Where do you need the Lord's cleansing power today? As individuals, we need to come before the throne of God to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness we also need to confess to one another. And finally, we need to look around us and actually assess where we are at together. In this unsettling time where we might feel a bit disoriented, I believe God is calling us to repentance. And I don't believe we are in a, a post-exilic time as a church in Canada. If anything, we are more in the midst of an exile right now. We are living in a world that is hard to understand, a world that has little time or much interest in the Christian church, a world in which perhaps we are becoming irrelevant. We have some repenting to do as the Church of Canada, and we have some reflecting to do. And one of the biggest concerns that I have seen, one of my biggest concerns, is how much more discipleship and teaching is happening from screens or from AI than the very church itself. People are getting more direction in life from Google or ChatGPT or Netflix and social media than they do the church and at home. And that is a huge problem. David Kinneman and Mark Matlock write from their book, Faith for Exiles. Many of us today turn to our devices to help us make sense of the world. Young people especially use the screens in their pockets as counselors, entertainers, instructors, even sex educators. Why build up the courage to have what will likely be an awkward conversation with a parent, a pastor, or a teacher when you can just ask your phone and no one else will be the wiser? 
Youth group used to serve as a main social outlet for teens and kids, but it is being replaced by sports and social media. The number of hours connecting, learning, and being discipled in a close-knit church community is now a drop of water in the ocean of content pouring out of their screens. Much more could be said, but the point is this. We are on the front end of a digital revolution that is tinkering with what it means to be human. We are all residents of digital Babylon. We are all exiles now. We believe many pastors, educators, pastors, and other leaders are trying to prepare young Christians for Jerusalem to keep them safe and well-protected for a world they no longer live in. This is Faith for Exiles. We can't go back to Jerusalem, not yet at least. So we should plan to stay and figure out how to grow disciples here and now in digital Babylon. Some pretty heavy stuff. Common Sense Media released a book a year ago called Which Side of History, which unpacks the pitfalls of our digital lives, some of the things that they've already seen and they're worried about going forward. And they say this, American teens log an average of seven and a half hours per day of screen time, not including time spent using screens for school or homework. The average eight to 12 year old American child watches nearly five hours per day of screen-based entertainment and media, again, not including time spent using screens for school. Now, I'm not picking on teenagers. These stats are just as high for the rest of us. Tony Renke, he works with, uh, with John Piper. He writes, this book is really, really fascinating. It's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And he says this, the glowing screen on my phone projects into my eyes the desires and loves that live in the most abstract corners of my heart and soul, finding visible expression in pixels of images, video, and text for me to see and consume and type and share. This means that whatever happens on my smartphone, especially under the guise of anonymity, is the true expose of my heart reflected in full color pixels back into my eyes. Honestly, this may explain the passcodes. To get into a phone is to peek into the interior of another soul, and we may be too ashamed for others to see what we clicked and opened and chased around online. What could be more unsettling? And finally, on the very extreme end, is this guy named Jaron Lanier. He's a computer scientist, and he was named in the top 100 list uh, the Times 100 list of most influential people of 2010. And he wrote this book called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media, uh, Social Media Accounts Right Now. Here are the chapter titles. You are losing your free will. Quitting social media is the most finely targeted way to resist the insanity of our times. Social media is turning you into an idiot. Social media is undermining truth. Social media is making what you say meaningless. Social media is destroying your capacity for empathy. Social media is making you unhappy. Social media doesn't want you to have economic dignity. Social media is making politics impossible. And social media hates your soul. Whew, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to encourage us, Pastor Ben. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to guilt or shame any of us. I have social media, I have a smartphone, I have screens. I just think it's a problem that most of us are struggling with, but we're not talking much about it. So maybe allow me to start that conversation in a way. Uh, and, and, and sometimes if we do talk about it, it's kind of just to say, yeah, it's a problem. And then we just kind of move on. It's like, okay, yeah. Um, but perhaps, Perhaps we need to do some reflection there and do some repentance as well, and that includes myself. 
But perhaps screens are the least of your problems. Maybe you're going, this is completely irrelevant to me. I, I don't have a screen in my house. But maybe it's something else. So this morning, ask yourself, what do I need to ask God to forgive in my life? Where do I need cleansing? Zechariah 13, 1-4 is a call for individual and corporate repentance. So let's take that seriously today. Let's get serious about the cleansing power of God's forgiveness and renewal. Let's pursue the inner transformation that God provides that propels us toward him and transforms our view on the world to align more with his. All right, so let's go to Zechariah chapter 14 now. We're going to look at verses 1 to 11. Zechariah 14, 1 to 11. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azel. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, cold or frost, and there shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord neither day nor night, but in evening time there shall be light. On that day, living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site, from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate to the corner gate and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. So here is the sweet news. Here is the great news we all need to hear. No matter what mess you find yourself in today, God will be victorious in your life and heart. He fights for you. He provides for you, and he brings you security. As the Gospel Project puts it, because the Lord has cleansed his people and purchased their victory, he will reign over them and give them security with him forever. Smartphones, screens, and social media insanity are no match for his power. Political unrest is his providence. As John Piper notes regarding this very passage, Repeatedly, God whistled for the nations to come and do his bidding in bringing judgment and correction on his people. Your addictions, your problems at home, your fears, and your anxiety are all known by a God who is here, a God who cares, a God who loves, and a God who is powerful, a God who is the same in 2023 as he has always been. The landscape is known and familiar when it comes to God. 
And it is because of this very truth that we must live differently. If we are, in fact, exiles in a foreign land right now, surely we must show by our actions and faith a different way to live. If we know this truth, it would be absolute insanity not to live into it. We need to consider in what ways we are showing the world that Jesus is king over our lives, that Jesus is the great shepherd king of our hearts. In Zechariah 7, the people of Israel asked, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Essentially, should we continue in mourning and grief? Is God's kingdom coming soon? And here's Zechariah's response in in, uh, chapter 7, verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Zechariah answers, Don't sit around waiting for the kingdom of God. Become people who are ready to participate in God's kingdom today. Be people of the word. Do God's will. Get after it. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. Many people think what is written in the Bible mostly has to do with getting people into heaven, getting them right with God, saving their eternal souls. It does have to do with that, of course, but not mainly. It is equally concerned with living on this earth, living well, living in robust sanity, (laughs) In our scriptures, heaven is not the primary concern to which earth is a tag-along afterthought. On earth, as it is in heaven, is Jesus' prayer. So you want to see promises from scripture in your life? Zechariah says, live in the covenant promises. We should look outside of the insanity in the world as we hope for the coming kingdom. And this should motivate faithfulness today. Complaining about Inflation and gas prices and how there's no common sense in the world today won't get us very far. Instead, let us rejoice in the suffering, be thankful in all circumstances, pray without ceasing, and praise our God who is always good. You know, I I get it. I'm still processing 2020. I think a lot of us are. And our 2023 New Year's resolutions, when I ask people, because I kind of like New Year's resolutions, I say, "What's what's your resolutions? And people are like, I just want to survive. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, I asked uh, Dustin, and Dustin said his New Year's, re- New Year's resolution or his motto is 2024. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Uh, my wife said uh, 2023, what is it? We'll make it work. <laughs> you know, we'll make it work. That's kind of 2023. We're tired. And Zechariah brings a word for a community that was feeling spiritual apathy, despair, and a sense of hopelessness. And we may feel that same way today. So allow me to encourage you this morning with some passages from Scripture. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In Luke 12, it says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? 
and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. First Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Isaiah 41, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe that would be a better 2023, you know, a motto. I'm going to carry Isaiah 41. Uh, That might be more. That'd be better for my soul. But I don't know what, what 2023 holds for you. I bet there's going to be some struggles. It's already a weekend, and I feel like a lot of us are already facing a lot of that. I bet some of us are feeling the weight of the world right now. Please don't go it alone. Find help from the family. Find rest and strength in God. He is so good. His love is greater than anything you could ever imagine. And even during your stumbling and your sinning, he comes in victorious over your life through the death and the resurrection of Christ. He loves you. He protects you. He is there for you. And he fights for you. So let me end this morning with a story uh, from Mark Buchanan. My brother and I and some friends were playing street hockey in the wide curve in front of our house when the neighborhood bully wandered down the street. This was a kid I'd been having some trouble with. He was three years older than me and big. He'd often wait for me on a pathway I had to walk on my way to and from school. Then he'd shove me, punch me, and push me down. On this occasion, he grabbed my bike and started horsing around on it. I yelled at him to stop. Make me, he said. I went over. He threw my bike to the ground and then started to thrash me. I fell under the blows. And then it stopped. I looked up and saw my oppressor hovering against the sky. But now his face was terror-stricken. My father, who had been watching the bully's antics from our window, had come to my defense. He grabbed the bully by his coat collar, lifted him straight off the ground, and shook him. Don't you ever, my father bellowed, hurt my son again. It was enough. Here was a love I could count on to protect me. To defeat my enemies, to make things right. Strange but true, I learned to rest in my father's love because of his wrath. I want to serve a God like that. One that I can fear, one that is more powerful than me, and one that sticks up for me, which we see in Zechariah chapter 14. In a world where we feel a bit out of place, maybe we feel a bit like Marty McFly, who both in 1955 and then when he went to the future in 2015 was just as unsettling. Where we feel a bit out of place, perhaps 2023 is the year we all learn how to trust God, to rest in his strength, 
to allow him to be victorious in our lives, to fight for us, and to hold us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are big, uh, that I can't wrap my mind completely around you, that I can't put you in a box, uh, that you are just so powerful, that there is an aspect to you that we have uh, that is of fear, but a fear that we can rest in. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you are gentle. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you are strong. And although we might not have physical enemies, as they did in, in Zechariah, that there's not nations necessarily coming against us that we are worried about, at least personally here, there are big things in our lives that are really scary, that are really stressful, that keep us up at night. And Lord, we just we really need you. We can't do it on our own. We keep trying, but we can't do it. Lord, may we learn to trust you, to trust your strength and your goodness. May we rest in that power. Lord, if there are those here this morning that don't know you, Father, may you speak to them. May they come to know you. And those of us who do know you, have a relationship with you, Father, I just pray that we continue to press deeper and deeper into your love and into that security that you give us. Even though you don't promise everything's just going to go fine and good and we're going to have everything we ever wanted, we will have all we need in you. Be with us today, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.